This podcast is brought to you by JList.com. Right now on JList.com, they have a lot of sales going on. You can get two or more calendars, and when you buy two or more, you get 15% off your total order. Three, 20% off your order when you buy three or more mugs. 15% off your order when you buy five or more Japanese language study items. Or 15% off your order when you buy three or more t-shirts. Go to JList.com to get amazing savings and to support this podcast with all of your anime shopping needs. 1903, when Miyazaki was born, a grumpy boy at his birth, he came out screaming, swearing about how he hated his unborn child, Goro Miyazaki. <laughs> and his computers were the devil. And the nurses were horrified to see a young baby smoking cherry brand cigarettes <laughs> in the nursery, delivering secondhand smoke to the other babies like the hater he was. <laughs> アニメアディクツアノニマスのライブブロードキャストを聞いていただきます。You are listening to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Make your anime addiction worse at aaapodcast.com. And now, here are your anime addicts. Welcome to the 341st episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Thank you so much for joining us from wherever you are listening. It is a pleasure to have you. I am your host, Mitsugi, and I am joined by the women today. Women. Chiaki and and, uh, Kimiko, introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Chiaki. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kimiko. (laughs) You're going to confuse them. I know. I know. We already got enough confusion as it is. I'm actually Kimiko, the one with the slightly deeper voice. Actually, Chiaki, the Moe Archangel. <laughs> if you want to get some of our extra content, you can stop by our website at aaapodcast.com. You can uh, get access to our exclusive hentai episodes. We just, Roko and I just recorded an episode on the Strokemon Pokemon <laughs> hentai parody. The stuff of nightmares. For which I will be playing you the theme song. No, me and, too, don't. And I, uh, we, and we just recorded a hobby addicts on the Japanese train system, so you can get access to that all on our all, all on our website aaapodcast.com for less than a dollar per episode. So Woo. for those of you anime addicts that just can't get enough, that is the place to go. Are you are you sure? I feel like I absolutely must play the the Strokemon theme song. I it is the stuff of nightmares. Though, a, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? I hate myself, but I've never heard it. You've oh never God, heard it? <laughs> the curiosity. Have you seen Strokemon? I... My favorite part. <laughs> let me please, just <laughs> please let me just say for the record. Oh my god! So oh no. let me just say for the record, men and women, that a pickup line at a bar. 
I love your poke tits is not acceptable. I love your even, what? even if that was for the song. I love so your poke I, over, tits. I overlooked that so one. I, I, I will just say, I will just say that the hentai episode is titled, is titled Pikachu is Nightmare Fuel. And <laughs> Have you seen it's this? Only, it's only no. available on our website. Go, oh so go check it out. I it's, refuse. It's, it's, it's a, I'm it's not giving saw, you an option. I saw the image of the, po- of, uh, the Pikachu. and could, Oh, no, God. <laughs> It's 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 a pretty entertaining hentai episode. It is so no, it is no, nightmare fuel. Look at it. No, I don't want to look at okay. it. So 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 let's start our opening uh, our opening segment, which I have changed the title of. It's time for this week's big bang. No. This is slower music than I expected from something like that. <laughs> So for the Big Bang of the Week, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm calling it, uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation have announced a partnership. Whoa! What? They have, they have decided that they are going to be doing a lot of cross-platform sharing of their anime titles. This makes so much sense. They are going to... Crunchyroll will continue having tons of subtitled content that their viewers know them for, but they're also going to be adding a lot of, of Funimation titles to their, to their offerings. At the same time, Funimation is going to be focusing on the English language dubs for both companies' titles for fans to enjoy and are going to be uh, handling distribution of some of Crunchyroll's titles. So for those of you that have one service or the other, you now have no need to get both services because they are sharing. So well, I don't know. I'm I not think sure. it makes a lot of sense. Okay, why? Why? Because I think it would make a lot of sense for one of them to eventually acquire the other if either of them have a large enough market cap ever. This seems like the first step in that process, doesn't it? Like, I actually think Crunchyroll should acquire Funimation. That's how I would see it going if they did any sort of, like, I know Funimation is the other situation. I know Funimation has been around longer, but I feel like Crunchyroll is already bigger. I could be completely wrong, though. No, I think Crunchyroll's um, been around longer, haven't they? I'm pretty no. sure. I'm, no, well, I don't think no? so. Well, not, not as a company. As they a feel more professional, I think, <laughs> is what it is to me. As a streaming service, I think Crunchyroll has been in anime streaming longer than Funimation has been in paid anime streaming. Um, but oh, as that's a, for sure. As a company, I think Funimation's been around a lot longer. I guess that makes more sense. But I still, I, I think I would prefer to see Crunchyroll, like... I think they should just merge. If they're going to go this far, they should just do a merger. Or that, or just merge. I mean, honestly, either that or... It's fusion time. It's really not worth. Yes. It's really not worthwhile for for either company to buy the other company, especially when they probably don't have a lot of liquid capital just sitting around and be like, "Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw three million dollars." I mean, let's face it, Funimation would not be an expensive purchase for anybody. Um, I imagine Funimation's probably not worth more than about five to ten million dollars if they were to have a, have a purchase made. So, but still, it's not really, it, it wouldn't make that much sense to me to do that. I, but I think small companies that are like kind of floating around in the market that may or may not struggle at times tend to do really well when they merge. Like that's what Sirius and XM Radio did. Mm. They were both really struggling when they were ripping each other to shreds in the market. But when they combined into a single company, they were a little bit more successful. So if you have a moderately successful Funimation and a moderately successful cr- Crunchyroll because they're constantly beating each other to death in the marketplace. Then it makes sense to merge. They merge and they become stronger, leveraging each other. And you know what else I would like to see is I would I would like to see Crunchyroll's market data based on what people are watching to determine what get du- gets dubbed. Oh, finally. Yes, please. I mean, it, if a show has like 
50% of the market adding it to their queue the second it's listed on Crunchyroll and there's no episodes out. Maybe you want to dub that one versus random my little sister is awkward, but I still want to bang her. I have anime. no idea where Funimation is getting anime. their stats off of the things that they're just dubbing instantly. Oh, I, oh, I, I, it makes no sense to me. I think it's entirely due to what they can dub. I think that they're they're completely at the mercy of the Japanese market. <laughs> I agree with that, but I also think that, and and again, I could be completely wrong, but that Crunimation... That crunimation. <laughs> I am That's already murdered. Her name. <laughs> crunimation. Crunimation. Oh God! Please. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Crunchyroll has had a better track record of acquiring licenses and striking deals and partnerships than Funimation has. I feel like they get a ton of anime, though. I know dubbing something is completely different than just bringing it over and simulcasting. Oh yeah. All right. So on this podcast episode. We are going to be doing the second of our Studio Spotlight September by doing a spotlight on the studio known as Ghibli. Maybe a couple of you have heard of it. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe one or two. We'll see. We'll find out. I think I watched a movie from them once. Maybe. It's probably on Disney Channel. Yeah, something like that. Probably not very good. (laughs) We're also going to be doing a review on the anime Kiznaiver. Woo! Which has a very good theme song. I love the theme song. Masochism, the anime. (laughs) (laughs) And, I'm uh, singing everything today. I don't know why, but I don't sure. It, it probably is. It probably is. I want to add a note that next week we're going to be doing a spotlight on Kyoto Animation. And then the following week we will be doing Toei Animation to wrap up Studio Spotlight September. Woo. Cool. And then the following week after that we will be doing our fall 2016 anime selections. Oh, and my the God. The following week already. after that. Drinking game. No, I'm. I don't. I don't know. If don't that's don't get their hopes up. <laughs> I feel like I there feel like will be another one though. After the crazy endless after party, we can't not. I feel like I feel like it's almost like a dog when you're like you can't say park or car without the dog like getting yeah. really excited. <laughs> drinking like, game. No, guys, guys. I'm drinking so sorry. Game. I'm so sorry. Oh, drinking game. One one last uh, piece of of uh, clerical stuff. We. Um, the summer listener choice anime has been selected. So, n- to no one's surprise, the uh, the the listener choice poll has gone up. It, it went up, and there were a couple hundred votes. So we have a a lot of feedback on what you guys wanted to be the uh, the anime that 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 we would do a review on. And in third place was an anime called Amanchu, which came in at 10.7 percent of the total vote. Second place, an anime that started out in the front, and I was not surprised at all because it seems like the type of anime that you all might try to troll us with, but it ended up not winning. An anime called New Game came in second place with 14.6% of the vote and with a very strong 23.4% of the vote. The an- are Dulls the anime. <laughs> puppets. I'm sorry. I'm, puppets. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Chiaki, what is the, uh, the, the summer listener choice anime? Thunderbolt Fantasy, an anime that's actually not animated at all. (laughs) It is puppet dolls. And for what it's worth, I have a friend who literally said that this anime changed his life. Yes. Or rather, puppet show. Show? Anime show? Puppets? Puppets. Is it? Puppets changed his life. Is it really not animated? Yeah. It's not. It's It's not. It's puppets. But for what it's worth, I did see like the first minute and a half while I was at work, and holy crap, I mean, they put looks, a lot of effort it into looks it. It's really well produced. It's, it's beautiful. still puppets. What the shit? Puppet TV? <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what that means. Does that 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 counts, right though? But, it, I but mean, the screen it must. But the screenplay is done. It has good people behind it. Like the, the screenplay is done by Gen Udobuchi, 
whom is pretty well known for doing a lot of work. He did the story for the Fate Zero light novel. He's the original creator. He, he's basically the, the original creator of Fate Zero. So The say you in this are fantastic as well. Like, really, he, really big name I just want to say, though, that y'all disappointed me because I was hoping on Shokugeki, and I am nine episodes into that <laughs> anime. Anyway, so again, Udobuchi... Uh, Lots of stuff. He's done a lot of things. Uh, the music the music is done by Hiroyuki Sawano, so I guess you can expect it to be very epic, epic sounding, and um, maybe it'll sound like Attack on Titan. Or who, Attack who on Trains. Or I'll Know a Zero, which has freaking awesome music. Which, they all have awesome music, say. but they all sound the same. They Yeah, they sort of do. Yeah. D- I'm not shitting on it. Like, I've listened to all of the soundtracks on repeat. I'm just saying. Quit being such a hater, Chiaki. I'm the worst. <laughs> It's time for an almighty anime mailbag. Anime. 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 Mailbag. Bag, 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 bag. All right, so that if you want to nice. see. It was nice. Yeah, it was a very. Uh, I like dancing. It was a very with interesting Kimiko. dance you were doing. I like doing everything with you, Chiaki. I like doing everything with you, too. <laughs> oh, boy. Hand kisses. That is interesting. So, um, the, uh, <laughs> if you want to submit a mailbag on the website, you can do it at our website, www.aaapodcast.com. There's a button on the top that says mailbag, and you can submit mailbags, topic mailbags, or mailbags to Kazuo's Catch-Up, which is where Kazuo reviews retro anime. Okay, so, who wants to read the first mailbag? I'll do it. Kisuke28 writes, Do you guys have anime that you liked when you started but don't like anymore? For me, it's Love Hina, Ariyori Ayoshi, and Mahoraba. Um, also, is there a program to lessen the shipping cost at JList? Because every $17 shipping for a Sakura Pepsi is a bit much. Thanks for answering my question. <laughs> Where do you live? <laughs> <laughs> um, also, just order more stuff and then order less. Wait, what? No, no, no. It like, seems a little expensive. No, rather than ordering... Oh, order like, more stuff, uh, but do it infrequently? W- yeah, but do okay. it infrequently. So rather than ordering, like, one Pepsi, order, like, five Pepsi, and then learn how to have self-restraint. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that... This is why I buy one Pepsi at <laughs> yeah, a time, personally. I was going to say, because that's something I don't have, but maybe you can do it. Yeah, um, the girl who spent like six hundred dollars on six bottles of wine. I don't. I do not have self restraint. <laughs> hey, hey, that is an investment. Anyway, Damn so straight. anime that you <clears throat> like that you used to like that you don't like anymore. He said he or she wrote Love Hina. That's definitely something I would say is in there. I tried rewatching recently um, Kaleido Star, and I remember when I first watched Kaleido Star. I was literally so obsessed with it that I started doing aerial acrobatics and still do occasionally in my spare time. Um, but when I rewatched it, it's kind of like there's still a charm to it, but it's it's got that like really early sort of 1990s anime kind of like tropey feel to it. I just kind of get a little Meh, about it now. Every anime I ever liked was a masterpiece. <laughs> okay. <Wow. laughs> No, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Um, pro- oh, I got one. Steel Angel Kurumi. Oh yeah, that that would. Count. I liked that one. You did you really? Yeah, <laughs> I did. I imagine if I went back and watched that anime, I- I've seen both of them. I've seen both of them. Oh god. 
I, I have, think I have not, but I did own the first. Okay, so you haven't you haven't but you haven't bear witness to the sequel. No, I have okay. not. So I imagine if I went back and watched that, I would not like it. Probs. It's another one of those anime where he finds like a robot angel and makes out with her to wake her up or whatever. <laughs> Wait a second, I just thought of one. Can I add one more in here? Yeah. Oh yeah. Literally the first. <laughs> this is the, outside of your jazz standards, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh and DBZ Sailor Moon. This is the first anime I ever saw. And I really enjoyed it at the time. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, Descendants of Darkness. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes. I watched you it know, again recently and was like, I had to do it drunk. I'm like, what? Another, Why? Uh, Why did I like this? Another one for me. Get Backers. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, God, that anime is terrible. <laughs> I was young. The manga is not. I was young and inexperienced. Terrible. Everyone has those Don't voices. hold my first time against me. <laughs> I just wanted uh, love. <laughs> okay, next mailbag um, is from Bangarang. Oh yeah. Who wants to Who wants to Bangarang? I always want to Bangarang. Uh, Bangarang writes, "Hello, AAA crew. What anime can you think of where a character uses their blood as a weapon? The ones I know of off the top of my head are Dead Man Wonderland, Speed Grapher, and Beyond the Boundary. Uh, Although I haven't seen this one, just assumed that's what it is from the trailers." Um, I was going to say Dead Man Wonderland instantly, but Full Metal Alchemist, maybe. I know it's technically there are some characters that can use their blood as a weapon, at least in Brotherhood. Isn't that? Yeah, one of the characters in the first episode uses his blood as a weapon for that one, but it's not a major theme. I'm pretty sure that's the whole point of Blood Blockade Battlefront. <laughs> no, for <laughs> real. I no, think every sense. character in that fights with their blood, basically. Yeah. Um, Which... Does Avatar The Last Airbender count? Doesn't seem like a very... <laughs> Bloodbending. Um, that is not uh, anime. <laughs> it depends on how you count it. If you're counting it based on style, technically all animation is anime. <laughs> anime is just, yeah. Does Voltron count as anime if it started as an anime and now has been redone by a Korean? <laughs> oh my god, we are down that rabbit hole. We are down that rabbit hole, guys. Moving right along. All right. Moving Can right just, along. You guys are out of control. <laughs> nope. I didn't even have any Red Bull today. And we are having wine soon. <laughs> I uh, have Fighting with your blood seems really impractical. You'd kind of die doing that, right? Um, it depends on how you utilize the blood weapon. And I'm going to use Avatar <laughs> as a reference. But blood bending is somebody else using their blood to like manipulate their body. So in that sense they're using blood, it's just not their own. I will I will say that in the case of Beyond the Boundary, it's it's almost like a magic skill. Like you use a bit of blood and she can make like a sword out of it. And then you're not like constantly using it. And I also feel like the amount of blood that would be needed to actually make a sword, like I'm just like there's there's magic involved. It she doesn't pass out even though she's <laughs> even though she's 5'1 and weighs like 90 pounds. They definitely should pass out for as much blood as they use in Dead Man Wonderland. I'm just saying like that was that was one thing. All so right. next mailbag? Um yeah, so Yo Tony Vegeta writes, Hello Triple A crew, what is the most recent anime you deemed a classic? When you were when was the last time you watched an a masterpiece anime? You're lying April. You're lying that was you're lying <laughs> April. I, I don't I don't agree with you. Although Although, I think Showa Gendoku Rakugo Shinju. Oh, that's true. Which, that's uh, true. Which one's that one? That was the one about the the the, the making anime. Is that no, no. It was the, uh, the 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 Rakugo performers. The the oh. storytellers. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. Although I would, I could argue, depending on how the last like three episodes shape up, <gasps> uh, ninety one days. days. 
Oh that my could God. be starting to head in that direction. They just need it if they if they stick the landing. Yeah, that, it's basically <laughs> it's basically I'm sitting here with like the ten out of ten card. I'm like a judge, and I'm like, like please, please, just please, stick please, the landing. Please, All please. you ha- your routine has been perfect. <laughs> it's been spot on. You haven't made a single error. Just stick the landing. I would That's, say. Yep. I would say that. Uh, although that anime will be a total flop for sure. Everywhere. Oh, I don't you're even gonna, care. You're gonna I, yeah. you're gonna see that on the list of anime no one gave a rat's shit about, and, and I uh, won't I won't care at all. No, you won't. It's fine. <laughs> but you're all gonna wonder why it's on the list. Just like you're more. Just like we all wonder why Parasite was a was a was a huge bomb financially. Yeah, it's that was it's because it doesn't have moe. Like it doesn't have tons of violence in it, but and this is not like, everything is like you know not everything. If it doesn't have pop idols or moe, no one wants to watch that. Or, or romance comedy. Um, I, I would say that th- that one scene at the end of Dakugo Shinju, where, ugh, I can't even remember their names at, at this point, but um, where the one performer was doing his his final performance and he was kind of telling his the story of his life while he did it. You guys are like making weird... Sorry, <laughs> Sorry you just realized we both watched the most recent episode. You just realized that this is, a, this is radio. Live. This is radio and not... Yeah. You were talking! You got it! You you had that, Mitsugi. <laughs> anyway, you were, you also, right. you were on top you of it. You also broke my train of thought. So I was going to say that that scene at the end of that show, I would say maybe is one of the greatest moments we've had in anime in, the, in recent yes, memory. Yes, for sure. So, of course, that anime totally won't, will not appeal to most people. So you'll think I'm crazy, probably. But no, I I think I think Show Rakugo. No, I think, I don't think you're. I don't think you think I'm crazy. Oh, I think the people that watch anime would think I'm crazy because they're not going to get the average person doesn't isn't looking for you know something that could be on like the History Channel. Yeah, with yeah. like you know or watching an anime version of The Godfather. So uh, <laughs> who wants to read the next mailbag? I'll do it. Kimba Lionheart writes, Hey, AAA, I have a question for Chiaki's bag of love. Ooh, baby. Mmm, hey girl, you're looking so fine. There's all kinds of lovers out there. Moe lovers, Tsundere lovers, Bishi lovers. But you know what all these lovers love the most? Hmm, it's anime. It's time for Chiaki's bag of love, because addicts need love too. Yeah. Any excuse to play that drop, just period. <laughs> it's beautiful. If I was to appoint Chiaki as a Pokemon Go matchmaker, which Pokemon should every male trainer have to capture to impress a female Pokemon trainer? Would a Charizard be considered marriage material? All right, Kimba Lionheart. It's quite simple. Evie. Motherfucking Evie. <laughs> oh, I just cursed. I'm so sorry. This is this already an explicit episode? Oh, I'm Thanks so to sorry. Evie, on. Evie would be hot. Evie, Evie. Now, now just Evie or Evie's a good start. Evie is everywhere when okay. Evie is cute. And then you can you also have something to talk about. What would you evolve your Evie into? Why would you pick that? Oh, it's that? gotta be Flareon. See? Conversation starter if, right there. If, 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 like, if, if, if Evie was a woman, Flareon is the hottest. I like Jolteon. I like Flareon. I think too. Jolteon's like a badass. I so, like- Pika- Jolteon w- would be like the punk. Would, would, would be like the punk chick. Maybe that's why I like. And it? Flareon's like the feisty, Ooh. fiery chick, and then J- Vaporeon's like 
the cold chick that doesn't doesn't want to have anything to do with you. The Sundere chick. Yeah, the Sundere. <laughs> <laughs> but see, see how much conversation just have happened. Evie brings people together, and mm. Evie is super cute, and most girls like super cute things. So I would say, I would say, every male trainer has to capture. Start with an Evie. It's a good place to start. It's not hard to get one either. Uh, would a Charizard be considered marriage material? Only if it is a first edition holographic. <laughs> just saying. nice. Just just put it first edition, mint condition, holographic, in a nice clear case. Charizard? That's Charizard is not a sexy Pokemon at all. Oh no, no, we're we're talking like making buco bucks off of that. <laughs> he says he says would Charizard be a marriage material? And I said first edition, mint condition, holographic. He didn't specify. <laughs> You can stick that Pokemon card right where it belongs. In the bank? In the bank. <laughs> In the safety <laughs> deposit box. Okay. Last so, uh, next one. Or last one? Last one. By the way, first edition Char Charizard on eBay right now. Holy shit. Over $2,500. Wow. And that's not even, uh, I think that is. No. Nope. And they're yes, probably not holographic. actually selling it, but. Well, I mean, it's it's on, I mean, well. Yeah, I mean, mm. I mean, yeah, it's it's it, it, and if you look up Beanie Babies, half of them, half of them are go, are on there for ten thousand, even though they don't sell because they're not worth anything. Ooh, that's Here's fair. one for three thousand. I'm not saying a Charizard's not worth. I'm not saying it's not worth some money, but uh, three grand. Last time Who I has looked at the that money up, to blow on something like that. Last time I looked up a, a Charizard like holographic card, it was going for like eighty five bucks. So I could be now. I could be out of my mind. I haven't looked in a while, but anyway. So Icy Rose writes, "Hey, AAA team." Have oh, you ever watched? Icy. Oh, hi, Icy. Uh, have you ever watched an anime and thought this is a really good show? The animation is great, the writing is excellent, the characters feel real. So why don't I like it? <laughs> Something that, as a critic, you think is good, but as a person, it's just not your thing. Basically, what's the greatest show you didn't like? Gunbuster. Everyone loves that show, and I think it's ridiculous. Mm. Also, Metropolis. That is supposed to be like this huge, critically acclaimed film. And when I watch Metropolis, I can't even get past how the characters look. I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. Um, so, so that would be my two. The first one that comes to mind for me is Tekken Kingcrete. I watched oh that one. Oh my god, yeah. I watched that one a while ago, but it's really like it's really critically acclaimed. A lot of people freaking love that, and I actually think it won awards in Japan. I feel like it won animation. I'm awards. sure it did. It looks nice. Um. So it, it's one of those films that like I can look at objectively and recognize that it has a lot of merits. But every time I watch it, I'm like, really? Really? This? OK. Um, <clears throat> Paprika, too. I can't. That anime is oh, way love, too chaotic. I love Paprika. I can't. Do I it. like the psychological aspect of it. But uh, for me, it's probably my neighbor Totoro. You really? don't like Totoro? I just can't. I just I get bored. I don't know why there's something about it. Like I recognized, I, again, I recognize all of the things that make it a classic. I just, every time I start to watch it, maybe I'm watching the wrong version of it. Maybe I should try watching the sub or something, but I just get kind of bored and I can look at it and go, oh, Totoro is cute. But that's about as far as I go with it. Like I'd much rather watch something like Princess Mononoke if I'm going to watch Ghibli. Okay. Well, good for you. Blah. Wow. Anything else? Nope, not on my end. Okay. Well, there it is. 
All right, so we're going to take a news break, and when we come back, it's time for the main topic of the podcast. We are going to be doing a topic on the a studio spotlight on Studio Ghibli, and uh, later a review on the anime Kizniver, so you can lay your hands on me while I'm bleeding dry. And we'll see you next time after the news break. And it's time for your first anime news break. Getting us started off, we have some news coming out of the Japanese music industry. Famed artist Hikaru Utada, who has been on a very long hiatus of about six years, recently announced that she is doing a return to the music industry and recently released a single titled Manatsu no Toriyame. And she has also announced recently that she is going to be making appearances on Japanese television on the special program Songs, special Utada Hikaru on the NHK on September 22nd, followed by Love Music Special Edition for Utada Hikaru on Fuji TV on the 30th. Then she has also other, other appearances on uh, other Japanese television stations. But uh, Utada Hikaru, it seems like she's making a resurgence to the Japanese music scene. So those of you that are big fans of her music from the past, stay tuned for more news about the artist. And so let's just stick with Japanese music news for a minute. In a recent poll in Japan, two-thirds of Japanese people apparently don't care about AKB48. It is the quote-unquote national idol group for Japan due to its popularity, has high name recognition, and however, a online poll done by research group QZOO suggests that there is not as much interest in AKB48 as there used to be. And 67.8% over two-thirds of participants said that they have literally no interest whatsoever in the idol group. So, interesting that uh, AKB48 seems to be waning and Utada Hikaru is making a resurgence. I'm sure there's no correlation between them, but that is your update on the Japanese music scene. Switching gears quickly, those of you that have been following the upcoming release of the Pokemon Sun and Moon video game property, you probably already know that the game is having a regional release, and as such, they are including uh, various traits into the games that make the, each region unique, including unique Pokemon evolutions for uh, from their various regular forms, but also it has been announced that there is also going to be unique appearances for Professor Oak. He's going to be getting his own regional form in the different locations in which the game is released globally. So, Nintendo and making an effort to make Pokemon more interesting than ever with regional tweaks and changes depending on where you live globally. And lastly, in another Japanese poll, which was asking people which Studio Ghibli film they would like to see return to Japanese theaters the most. A poll that smells to me of market research by Ghibli itself. The poll ran from August 13th to the 28th, and the results have been announced in no particular order. The following five films have been listed as the most desirable to make a return to Japanese theaters. Nashka of the Valley of the Wind, Castle in the Sky, Kiki's Delivery Service, 
Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away are the top five films in which voters were able to, were choosing from the 21 Ghibli films that were available. So, looks like we have some diehard classics in there as long as as well as some of the recent most favorite films from the Ghibli from the Ghibli library. This is Mitsugi, and this was your first anime news break. Now it's time to get back to the podcast. Talking about anime is fun. Even though every host of the AAA podcast is super addicted to anime, we do have other hobbies. I write and read a lot of books. Kimiko is a bartender. I love comics, and Mitsugi and I both love sports. And I think we all love video games and movies. That's why we made Hobby Addicts. Yep, they're brand new podcasts about other hobbies we enjoy. If you want to get a new episode of Hobby Addicts every week, head to aaapodcast.com slash join and select the $5 tier. You'll need to make a membership if you haven't already or don't have one from the forums. But once you do and get yourself signed up, you'll be enjoying all kinds of new content from the AAA podcast. Oh yeah. When it comes to Pokemon, don't mess with Kazuo. I was in sixth grade, and I had Pokemon on my Game Boy. I had a Game Boy Pocket, I think, at the time. I was in gym class, and we were in the locker room, and I'm getting changed. This kid runs by, grabs my Game Boy, and bolts. <gasps> and so I never got it back. Kid stole my Game Boy with my Pokemon in it. So in sixth grade, uh, one of my electives, I was a teacher's assistant. This kid had that teacher. So I basically went, allegedly, went into the computer and wrecked all of his grades <gasps> yes. and oh found his locker combination because the teacher keeps a record of all that broke into his allegedly broke into his <laughs> locker stole all of his pokemon cards which he had a ton of and took all of his textbooks and threw them away i think he assumed it was me we did end up getting to, into a fight later on <laughs> and he beat his ass yeah yeah i got into a lot of fights in school you beat that kid's ass didn't yeah, you? yeah used definitely. To fighting. back to the show Welcome back to the 341st episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Brought to you by JList.com. Right now on JList.com, they have a large variety of sales going on. You can buy multiples of any category of goods on JList.com and get a big time discount. They have items such as calendars, um, anime themed mugs, Japanese study materials, t shirts, arts and crafts, uh, English visual novels. And a lot more, all 15% off or more when you buy multiples of uh, any two calendars, two mugs, etc. So uh, head over to JList.com and maybe you can get some crazy good savings buying some anime stuff. Definitely recommend it. Yeah. 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 Sweet. Who doesn't want a Super Sonico English novel, right? Um, Not when you buy me. one. <laughs> w- when you buy one incredibly large breast-filled Super Sonico English novel, you get a second Incredibly large, supersonic breast English novel at a reduced price. Amazing. What? Amazing. It's like BOGO on boobs. My favorite kind of BOGO. Technically, aren't all boobs BOGO? Because they usually come in twos. Chiaki, you're a revolutionary. All right, so um, main topic, Studio Ghibli. <laughs> Studio Ghibli was in the news recently. Was because it? Because... <clears throat> Miyazaki himself stated that after seeing the uh, the result of uh, of the film The Red Turtle, 
in a uh, in a European film, he said it was I guess it like lit his lit his passion or whatever, and he <laughs> thought he had to simply had to come out of retirement to do another film. No, what? Well, he's not as old as I thought, actually. What is he like? Seventy? He's seventy-five. Okay, and. I mean, Takahata is, is is a lot older than that, and Takahata just made a film, you know, a couple years ago. Yeah. Takahata is over eight, is older than eighty, I think. So, so Miyazaki's just finicky. He, <laughs> I think uh, he's the Brett Favre of anime. I think that um, I think that Toshio Suzuki basically reminded him in his own Japanese way that how how retired he actually was. You know, it's time to retire, and you know, See, spend spend at least one day with your wife. <laughs> And then have your wife panic because she doesn't know what to do and to ask, <laughs> are you going to go back to work? Like, when, when are you going back to work? When, when is this happening? No, no, seriously, when are you going back to work? <laughs> All right, kick off the main topic uh, for me, Chiaki. All right. So, Studio Ghibli, I mean, most anime fans have heard about Studio Ghibli, watched a Studio Ghibli movie, or Studio Ghibli was the thing that got you into anime. So... I mean, this this studio is is prolific. It's iconic. It is arguably the quote unquote Japanese Disney studios. I hear that a lot. That in the sense that they, you know, put Japanese animation globally on the map, like Disney did for the states. And while, of course, Ghibli, well, nothing has reached the success of Disney other than Disney. Um, Ghibli was incredibly successful for its tenure. And so I am I put together a bunch of information, uh, stuff about the studio that ranges from stuff that I think most people might already know to a little bit of the more obscure facts about the studio that I think could be interesting that uh, aren't discussed as much. And, of course, I figure we'll also talk a lot about the various films of Studio Ghibli um, and focus a little bit more maybe on the more obscure ones that aren't, you know, your Princess Mononoke, your Spirited Away, your Howl's Moving Castle that are, of course, amazing films, but everyone knows and straight towards some of the more obscure ones. So Studio Ghibli was founded on June 15th, 1985. In 1903, when Miyazaki <laughs> was born, gr- a grumpy boy at a grumpy boy at his birth. He came out of he, the womb he came holding out, a pen. He came out <laughs> screaming, swearing about how he hated his unborn child, Goro Miyazaki. <laughs> and his computers were the devil. And the nurses were horrified to see a young baby smoking cherry brand cigarettes <laughs> in the nursery, delivering secondhand smoke to the other babies like the hater he was. They don't even know how he got them. Some presume that he rolled, grew and rolled the tobacco in the womb. <laughs> Okay, anyways. The most accurate of all biographies. <laughs> um, it was founded following the success of Nausicaa. So I think a lot of people think about Studio Ghibli and they think about Miyazaki and Takahata, who are these uh, directors who have an incredibly long body of work. And we think about Studio Ghibli stretching all the way back to the start of their work. But really, it only came about following Nausicaa. And Nausicaa wasn't even specifically a Studio Ghibli film. It was written and directed for Topcraft and distributed by Toei. So Studio Ghibli, all things considered, I feel is a lot younger than what I think, you know, a lot of anime fans look at it and and think Studio Ghibli all the way back into the golden days and years of anime. Um, Funding for 
The original studio was supplied by Tokuma Shoten, which was a publisher in Japan established in 1954. I do say was because the founder died in 2000. And after the founder's death, it basically dissolved and was acquired by a number of other companies in different segments. Um, but it, for the 1990s, it was one of the largest entertainment publishers. Uh, purchased by uh, Daish Koso in 2001, as I mentioned, and Dai Motion Pictures, which was one of their subsets, was uh, purchased by Karakawa Shoten in 2002. And of course, most people are familiar with Karakawa. So this company helped produce all Ghibli movies from 1984 to 2001. And the reason why they're worth mentioning even though most people have never heard of them, is because it was Tokuma Shoten who arrived at the agreement with Disney for Disney to distribute Studio Ghibli films outside of Japan. Most people and know m- m- most people know Kadokawa Shoten even if they don't realize it because they have a really iconic logo and branding screen that comes up before movies. It's the it's the blue yeah, one that has like the yeah. Kadokawa was the one who acquired a subsect of Tokuma Shoten. So I'm talking about the company, the original company that put up the money to get Studio Ghibli. Most, you're right. Most people do know Katakawa, but that's not the company that did all of this. It was Tokuma Shoten. Okay. Continue. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, like most of the Ghibli movies have that have that logo screen before their films. Yeah, and that's and, and that's so because there is that segment that was acquired by Katakawa following 2002 my point was basically about the the logo and not about nothing else it'd be like it'd be like saying oh you guys you guys know uh tristar pictures or whatever because it has the unicorn or whatever you know i'm just it was oh, a they're the one with the unicorn aren't they yeah <laughs> or universal studio has the one where you fly around the globe yes i know that one huh. okay anyway. um but but Tokuma Shoten was the one who in many ways probably helped introduce a lot of us to ghibli because it was the Disney re- distribution and theatrical releases and dubs that I think exposed us to a lot of Ghibli films and ultimately resulted in Ghibli getting nominated for Academy Awards and winning its 2000, 2001, 2001 Spirited Away Academy Award. How involved do you think James Lasseter really was in that? Because he's the one before a lot of the first original Disney collaborations, or not collaborations, but like Disney-involved Ghibli movies that you see talking about. He almost talks about each of the movies like he had a personal hand in making it happen, and I've always wondered. Well, actually, so so Lasseter, for anyone who doesn't know, it was the director of Toy Story and a key member of Pixar, and he has been quoted saying, I love Miyazaki's films. I study his films. I watch his films when I'm looking for inspiration. Um, and I love he also his talks, junk. He talks about Miyazaki like they're best friends. <laughs> and his junk smells like Terry Brand cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Probably does. Um, but I always, I always, I see like these interactions of John Lasseter and Miyazaki and Miyazaki he seems like the grumpy, stoic it. old man and Lasseter is like a puppy dog that's like, oh my God, you're real. Um, but actually, I found a quote of Miyazaki talking about Lassiter, saying that Lassiter, quote... He has really cold hands. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sorry, sorry. Saying that Lassiter, quote, turned into a human bulldozer to assure the American release of Spirited Away. Without him, I don't think we'd be sitting here. And this was an interview that was oh wow took place around spirit away so so lassiter lassiter i actually think really did play a big hand in 
getting uh, again Tokuma Shoten I think set up that distribution with with Disney and started getting the films coming over but I think it was Lasseter who was like this guy's amazing this guy's amazing this guy's amazing have a, have you heard me? this guy's amazing <laughs> I'll say it again this guy is amazing and and really you know got the film the attention from the the film industry and the critics and the theaters and whatnot that pushed Studio Ghibli I don't want to say into mainstream because I don't think mainstream America knows what Studio Ghibli is, but I do think mainstream America, at least mainstream America that has watched an animated film would recognize like I talk to Spirited people away and whatnot. Yeah, I talk to people who have seen no anime at all. And I'll ask about Miyazaki, have never heard the name, never heard the name Ghibli. And I'll go, well, you know, like Spirited Away or Kiki's Delivery Service. And instantly they're like, oh, yeah, no, I I watched that on the Disney Channel with my kids. Or I watched that when I was younger. Or like you've seen it almost like you've seen it without realizing you've seen it. Exactly. And I think the the Disney distribution helped a lot with that. And because the Disney movies do have Disney branding on it because it is distributed (laughs) by Disney. And so most people, I'm sure, probably look at them and go, oh, look at Disney doing a direct-to-movie, direct-to-DVD release. Uh, this this was something that I found in my research that I was like of course it is um, but I did find it interesting the name Ghibli do you guys know where the name Ghibli comes from without no. looking at the notes <laughs> um nope so the name Ghibli I feel like I've heard this before though but was given by Hayao Miyazaki as a reference to the Caparini CA.309 which was an Italian aircraft used in World War II that had the nickname Ghibli. No shit. Yep. Oh my god. Because Miyazaki has the largest <laughs> erection. For, you, you know what? You know what? You know what? For a seventy-five-year-old man, this man, this man can lay some redwood for a for an airplane. <laughs> really I'm no, telling you right now. Needed. He really can. Yeah. I no, didn't... seriously. Think about it. Every freaking Ghibli movie has airplanes in it. No, I'm not. I'm not even, even kidding. Even the bugs are airplanes. No, seriously. In some of them. I'm not even kidding. Naushka flies a glider. Porco Rosso flies an airplane. Um, the the boy in Kiki's Slavery Service has like a has like a bicycle airplane. Uh, let's see. Hell's here. Castle becomes Cosmic a plane in the end. Well, the, uh, flies. The the uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> the wind the wind rises is about. Oh god, that is airplanes. his that is his love story. Actually, I mean, let's go on and on. And the wind rises took on new meaning when, in doing research for this topic, I never knew that Miyazaki's family owned a company that produced wingtips for Zero Fighters. Oh, I what? knew. I actually knew that. So I didn't. He that's it's kind of like his that last film draws a lot of of inspiration from his own personal life. Yeah. So like his his redwood sized heart on for airplanes has been all his life. <laughs> um, he also apparently is obsessed with pigs because he'll draw himself as a pig. He actually there's sketches he's done of himself as like a mean boss pig, like whipping like little animator pigs and stuff. Oh, like <laughs> yelling the, at them. The man just likes his bacon. Um, he's a smart man. <laughs> which planes and bacon. Which to me I'm like planes and pigs. Okay, porcaroso. I mean, <laughs> we can see how that came into fruition. <laughs> which it makes a lot of sense because I've always watched porcaroso and been like why is he a pig? And clearly, clearly Miyazaki was just like, you know what? I want to make a movie. I want to set it in Italy. I want it to have airplanes. And you know what? Let's make the main character a pig. <laughs> just like that. Porco Rosso, Porco Rosso while, while being one of the best Studio Ghibli films. Oh, it's films, an amazing movie. Don't get me wrong. Ridiculous and appreciated, by the way. Um, is like Miyazaki's, it's that movie and The Wind Rises are, that's like Miyazaki in a nutshell. Yeah. 
If if you I would I would almost argue that if you wanted to have two films that dissect the man, not his body of work, not his, you know, purely artistic vision, but everything that he loves and celebrates as a human. Watch those two movies. Watch those two movies. Because it is Porco Rosso is and, and, and it's it's interesting too because they were made at very different points in his career. Porco Rosso was made in nineteen ninety two and The Wind Rises was his last film in twenty thirteen. So you have you have what what amounts to almost basically a two decade gap between them. And Porco Rosso is, I think, overall a lot more hopeful and a lot more like fun and freewheeling and you know all of that and and the wind rises is is it it feels like an old man's film <laughs> it really kind of does oh it for sure is like i need to i need to go back and rewatch it with english subtitles because the last time i saw it i saw it in japanese theaters and i was kind of translating as it as it went and i'm sure i missed a lot but um but the movie overall kind of has this, and not to say it's not hopeful, because I think most of Miyazaki's films are hopeful because he has said in interviews that he wants to make hopeful movies. He wants to make he wants to make movies that are well being you know grounded in some kind of realism at the same time has well what if what if the world could be like this or what if people could be like this or or what if you know we we could find that level of beauty or whatever the case may be, um, and so. So I, 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 not to say that the wind rises isn't hopeful, but but it really does feel like, like I'm looking back on my life yeah. now and the choices that were made. All right. So, can we move on to the next point? Yeah, sure. So the wind rises is a nice segue point because that movie is a great example of why they decided to tentatively close, aka restructure, whatever you want to call it, Ghibli, um, because. The stu- well, as most people know, the studio went under a quote-unquote closure and or restructuring, which restructuring is a ridiculously vague term that can mean anything, in 2014. And the reason that a lo- it was mostly cited that it was because the main brain, brain children of all the films were getting old. That is, the three heads of Ghibli, Toshio, Suzuki, Miyazaki, and Takahata were all old, and their last few movies had not done well. Well, here are the last four major movies released by... Well, it's four of the last five released by Ghibli. Arietti, Karigurashi no Arietti, was the last big hit. It was a a Yonebayashi film. It made $146 million globally. Pretty good. And I would argue that that was the last big hit because of of these... Well, I was going to say of these four films, I think that is the most accessible of them. I mean, I love that movie. It's amazing, but most people are familiar with the story of the borrowers to some degree. There have been multiple remakes of the original story too, so it's not like they haven't. Most people haven't at least seen some variety of it. Exactly. So most people, I feel like, are familiar with the borrowers. It's it's a story that is is fun and it's easy to watch, and most people know what they're getting into. So that in the movie is amazing. However. Up on Poppy Hill, which is a Goro, which is a Goro Miyazaki film, was generally considered a flop. Uh, the Wind Rises, which made $101 million, was possibly not profitable. I didn't look into it very much, but uh, several articles said that it was maybe or maybe not profitable. Ghibli is a private com- is a private firm, so you don't they don't have to disclose their financial results. But 
keep that keep, it's, keep it's that number in your head. It's not good when people are going maybe. <laughs> keep keep, keep that number in your head. It's not good when they say it made a hundred million dollars in the box office and it still maybe wasn't profitable. And then well, I mean, it, it takes a lot of money to make an animated film, right? Like a completely two D animated film. Most of these, most of these animate. Well, we're gonna get into that. Um, okay. Princess Kaguya, which came out after that, made fifty million dollars in Japan and was considered a flop. So, which is such a shame because that movie is was, a masterpiece. It was good. It was a good. It's movie. amazing. I still need to see that one. We so, need to watch it. I have it on Blu-ray. So, mm-hmm. so, so your question, Kimiko, is a good one. But um, a lot of these anime companies that make like the Naruto movies and the Haikyuu movies or whatever the hell you're we're talking about, they have they've had what they've come up with ways to kind of reduce the cost of their movies. Whereas okay. Ghibli's kind of which are adopting the new technology like CG, which can reduce costs. Um, outsourcing the more menial labor to foreign countries where the labor costs are cheaper mm-hmm. to reduce costs. But Ghibli's just like, ah, eh, screw it. Miyazaki, I believe it was said that he had refused until the bitter end to outsource anything out of Japan. So these movies are, they're, they're making more money than other, than movies from other anime companies. Like, like the Naruto movies don't make the money that uh, the, 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 that the Ghibli movies do. The, the, the Detective Conan movies don't make the movie that Ghibli movies do, but the Ghibli movies cost, like, they cost multiples. as They're multiple times as expensive. Well, and I think another thing, too, is that even not outsourcing labor, Miyazaki is notoriously suspicious of computers. And he personally would draw thousands of frames by hand. And I have, I have a quote from an interview where... He says, we take handmade cell animation and digitize it Digitize it in order to enrich the visual look. But everything starts with the human hand drawing. And the color standard is dictated by the background. We don't make up a color on the computer. Without creating those rigid standards, we'd be caught up in the whirlpool of computerization. It was an absolute order from the commander, and he is the commander. Holy crap. He and- defines... Furthermore, he defines hand drawing as 2D and computer animation as 3D. So, mind you, not like com- like 3D animation like Frozen, like drawn on a computer as most anime are today. And again, quote, Miyazaki, what we call 2D is what we draw on paper to create movement and space on a piece of paper. The 3D is when you create that space inside a computer. I don't think the Japanese creative mind is very suited for 3D. <laughs> wow. And in the chat. I, I, that is a quote from him. That okay. is not me. Okay, Grandpa. We'll get off your lawn. <laughs> Hashtag just AAA chat things. The chat is talking about Chibi Rob says he wishes that when his time comes, he could have a magical testicle boat carry him into the afterlife. What? <laughs> oh, they're talking about Pompoco. Oh, right. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag just triple A chat things. But here's the question: Would you want it to be your testicles <laughs> <laughs> or someone else's? <laughs> I am now perpetually afraid. Uh, but but basically, yes. To Mitsugi's oh, point. Oh, scrotum. <laughs> One more time. Yeah. Oh, scrotums. Speaking of other Ghibli films, um, but yeah, to, to underscore Mitsugi's point of you know one of one of the things that was driving up cost and and limiting their profit profitability was the fact that they weren't outsourcing labor, 
And the other thing was that you had someone at the helm who was basically saying, yeah, I know this could make you do it faster and cheaper. But no. But no. <laughs> because <laughs> because Computers are the devil. Your mind can't handle it. Your Japanese mind oh. can't handle it. Oh. I, feel, I feel so horrible saying that, but I have li- that, is that is literally a quote. A that quote. is the actual like, quote. I, I took it. I have a citation. Like, I took it from a translated interview. Like, so, um, oh. all right, all right. So, you guys have seen Happy Gilmore, right? Yeah. Yes. All right. So, Chiaki, g- give me the old oh, lady. Wait, no, I haven't. I'm sorry. Kimiko, I said yes. Kimiko, give me that scene where the old lady complains about her fingers hurting, and 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 give it to me in a in a in a variety of carpal tunnel. Dude, I haven't seen that movie in way too long. You're gonna have to do it. All right. So you say, Miyazaki, my 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 wrist hurts. Just like that. Just just, just like say that. Like an old lady. Uh, Miyazaki, my wrist hurts. Oh well, you know what. Now your elbows are going to hurt, too, because I, I just had a side job for you animating moe eyes, and you're going to do it all night. <laughs> what? Why? Oh, well, Granny, you just pulled... La- well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled landscaping duty. <laughs> <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> no, landscaping duty is his son's job. Ah, oh, yes. Who was a landscaper? Your family... Oh, was he really? Oh, yeah. Goro Miyazaki's first job was landscape design. You think your family misses you... <laughs> Excuse me, old lady animator. Yes. You think your family misses you because you never get to leave the the, the Ghibli studio? I have no family. <laughs> <laughs> I've been living here since I was fourteen. Well, well, if you did. <laughs> okay. I'm, By the way, right. here is it's very small, but here is the drawing that I talked about to share, so you can describe it of Miyazaki. This is something he drew of himself as a pig, banging a pot. <laughs> Over the heads Work of, faster. of anim- little animator piglets. All right, who, so as you will notice, are all drawing on pieces of paper, and they are all sad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I feel like I feel like Miyazaki uh, is like I am an awful human being. <laughs> basically, you could sum up the glass. you could sum up the problems that Ghibli's had in a couple words. One, the staff is old, and two, they insist on doing things the hard way, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, so. In, in a world where people are satisfied having cut-rate animation from foreign countries like like China and Korea. Cut-rate? That sounds really offensive, Mitsuki. That's exactly what it is. When you when I outsource my labor to China so it costs 10% as much, know, that is the definition we, of cut-rate. I, I know you are can literally... We, can, we, can we say it like more PC somehow? I know you are literally... No, what, I, I'm not, look, look, I, I, <laughs> look, I know I get curbed a lot for talking in various ways, but guess what? Every country in the world is cheaper for animation than Japan. No, I, I, Every I, country is cut rate but, next to Japan. But, I'm not going to change it. Don't care. <laughs> I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, cool. Don't give a fuck. So, so anyways, on, on a happier note, uh, Ghibli has won a bunch of awards. It, has, it won the Japan Academy Prize for Animation of the Year and had four... Anim- four times. Uh, Ponyo, Arietti, From Up on Poppy Hill, and The Wind Rises were all winners. Tales from Earthsea was nominated but didn't win. Wow. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> um, I read that book, too. Like, what what Tales of Earthsea was he trying to tell? By the way, the, the film that beat 
Tales from Rotsi in 2007 was the girl who leapt through time. So good on you, Japan Academy. Thank God. Um, it also, Studio Ghibli also has eight films in the 15 highest grossing anime films made in Japan. The number one film of, out of 15 was Spirited Away, which grossed over $289 million worldwide. Howl's Moving Castle is at number two. Ponyo at number three, Princess Mononoke at number six, Arietti at number seven, The Wind Rises at number eight, Tales from Earthsea at number 12, what? and from Up on Poppy Hill at number 16. Maybe, so Maybe I'm just biased towards the Tales of Earthsea, but I hated that movie. It well, was really friggin' boring. It was That's so, why. like, even the, so the book, uh, Earthsea Trilogy by Ursula K. Le Guin, I'm assuming he was trying to get some stuff from that. Like, I saw some familiarities to it. But even how Miyazaki took quite a bit of the original story from House Moving Castle, but didn't exactly stay completely on track with the original novel, it just, it was just a boring, really weird reinterpretation with almost none of the original existing plot when I watched Earthsea. Like, I just, I despised that movie. Sorry, had had to throw that in there. No, it's <laughs> it's fine. But we can we can talk a bit about their films overall. Um, just I'm I am literally going to run down all of the Studio Ghibli films. Read them in a quick line from the first to the last. Now again, this is films made under the Studio Ghibli name. So no Nausicaa. So no Nausicaa. No Castle of Cagliostro. None of that. This is just purely Studio Ghibli titles. Castle in the Sky. Grave of the Fireflies, My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, Only Yesterday, Porco Rosso, Palm Poco, Whisper of the Heart, Princess Mononoke, My Neighbors the Yamadas, Spirited Away, The Cat Returns, Howl's Moving Castle, Tales from Earthsea, Ponyo, Arietti, From Up on Poppy Hill, The Wind Rises, The Tale of Princess Kaguya, and When Marnie Was There. That's 20 films. Which one of those movies is the least appreciated? My Neighbors the Yamadas. Oh, as in like it should have a higher appreciation? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's a good movie no one's watched. I mean, I haven't seen My Neighbors the Yamadas, but I have heard remarkable things about it. Yeah, from us. From you. <laughs> Pretty much. That's about it. Um, I would probably say, like, well, can you can you really say? Wait, Only Yesterday I have never seen. Is that good? Um, it, That's one of those movies where, you know what, I haven't seen it in quite a while, so I, I don't want to, I can't really say. I, I think people, people, critics, yes. But I recall it being very slow. Mm. But it's it's about a woman I think that's like uh, reminiscing about her childhood, and it's kind of kind of slow. But in my in my memory, which is not too good of it, but uh, critically, yeah, I think it's pretty much considered awesome. You know which one I wish had a little bit more of like a a following for it because I loved it so much. Which one? Mm -hmm. Whisper of the Heart. Yeah, that movie doesn't get much credit either. I can't so think of that movie without good. seeing the porn picture in that one no! doujin. That I had bought. almost forgotten it existed. <laughs> Shiaki, why would you do that to me? Sorry. Oh, it exists. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, it exists. Also to note, Studio Ghibli has been involved in a number of short films, commercials, collaborations, um, as well as some involvement in anime series like... Um, Ronya, the robber's daughter, which was with Polygon Pictures and Goto Miyazaki. Um, but something that I didn't realize, they contributed an in-between animation on a number of series. Like, the, I guess their animators worked on in-between animations, such as Crayon Shin-chan, Scryed, Full Metal Alchemist, and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And Evangelion 3.0, you cannot redo. Like... I had no idea. So Shin-Chan I knew because they have a giant Shin-Chan-like statue there, don't they? At the Ghibli Museum? 
Uh, don't they? I, I don't no. think so. They have I, a giant. Sh- I thought they had like I remember seeing a giant Shin Chan statue, nah. and it was directly associated well, with maybe, you know, maybe Ghibli. It's, maybe it's new. Maybe I read a maybe. Maybe I'm gonna look that up. But I had no idea they were involved in Full Metal Alchemist. It has been that makes a few me so happy. It's been a few years since I've been there, so I'm sure there are some different things. Although they don't change much in that museum, yeah. I'll tell you that. I just thought it was very cool to see kind of how the studio has been involved with a number of titles and a number of films, you know, kind of kind of on the DL. Okay, next up. Next up. Well, next up, I just have more information about the two. Yeah, I want to hear about grumpy-ass Miyazaki. The grumpy genius. <laughs> um, so Miyazaki was grumpy from a young age. From the womb, jokes aside, at fir- here's true story. At first, he wanted to be a mangaka and l- because he loved Osamu Tezuka. But when he realized his manga were just an imitation of Tezuka, he burned them. <laughs> he was like in high school. Burn and he was like, he was like, this is shit. Burn it all. <laughs> like, that was literally I, what happened. I feel like I have this mental image now of... Hayao Miyazaki standing like in the middle of a street with a trash can on fire <laughs> in his uniform, his school uniform, just staring at it, going burn. His, and, and, burn. his, face, his face lit up by the flames at night, it's and he's just, just muttering to himself, "You are just a Tezuka second-rate copycat. You will he, never amount to anything." Somebody walks by and looks at him, and he passes them a glance, and they just scurry away in fear. And, and as he turns to walk away from the burning pile of manga, he. In slow motion, he throws a black leather jacket over his shoulder, blankly comes his pompadour, and lights a cherry brand cigarette. <laughs> he probably was smoking cherry brand cigarettes, and I, so I, would, I would have no doubt. Fifteen steps later, he put that cigarette out on an old lady's leg. <laughs> oh, my God! No. If anyone, if anyone is going to have respect for the elderly, it would be Miyazaki. He's too traditional for that. He probably idolizes the elderly. It's like, you were alive before computers existed. <laughs> He's 75. Exactly. <laughs> Tell me. He has, he has an 80-year-old woman working there who has, like, an iPhone. And she's, a, she's his chair. <laughs> He sits on her. <laughs> you used an iPhone once. Now you're my chair. You've been demoted to furniture. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. My back hurts. Oh, well, you know what? Now your legs are going to hurt because <laughs> I need a footrest. Um, he saw his first animation film, which was by Toy Doga, uh, when he was a high school senior. And the film was Haku Jaden. And he could not stop crying the whole night according to him um and he fell i've been there (laughs) he fell in love with the heroine which could explain some of his also interesting views on why nausicaa was female and female in females in anime and whatnot so he was he was quoted talking about in an interview when a man is shooting a handgun it's just like he's shooting because that's his job and he has no other choice it's no good when a girl is shooting a handgun it's really something oh when i saw a movie gloria i really felt so well it's not a girl but a middle-aged woman gloria she, quote is that an anime film I don't know. I gotta look this up. Hold on. She okay. shoots a handgun as if she's throwing dishes. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know it's the dishes that she just made <laughs> him a sandwich on. All right, come on. It's really exhilarating. The story of a man gaining independence is always told through uh, through certain events in which he defeats an opponent in battle or fights his way through a difficult situation. But in the case of a woman, it's to feel, to accept, 
to or cradle something like that Nasca is not a protagonist who f- defeats an opponent, but a protagonist who understands or accepts. She doesn't think about her vending- avenging her parents' death. She is someone who lives in a different dimension. <laughs> I, Such I, a character is a woman rather than a, than a man. If it's a man, that's too <laughs> weird. I, I feel that man would depend more on words. I felt that for issues concerning nature, women deal with them by feeling. Here comes my smart-ass joke. Gloria, produced by Pink Pineapple in 1997. <laughs> The two, the two, Bo- the two Bosner elite students, George Heisen and Kira Akishino, s- gain suddenly the chance studies and their common hobby, flirting, to combine the world famous millionaire family. Gloria employs George and Kira as private tutors to educate their five daughters, Etana, Cecile, Naomi, Sharon, and Mary. It's a hentai. Wait, what? <laughs> oh yeah, he's supposed to educate them, but on. You know, <laughs> on you know. Jesus Christ. That's what I thought. I mean, I was thinking, Gloria, that's an anime, right? And then I couldn't put my finger on it. And it's, then a it it's a hentai. It's also a 1980s film. I'm just joking. Written and directed. I'm just being a smart ass. Okay, good. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> yeah, the chat's like, not the right Gloria. I know that. <laughs> I'm being a smart ass. Okay, so I get what Miyazaki is trying to say here. Like, I actually can respect some of the things that he's trying to say. But I can also tell quite a bit about where his mentality probably originally stood on women prior to watching that movie. Oh, well, see, and that's the thing is a lot of a lot of his interviews that that I have have read of his. There's there is some you are unintentional sexism, perhaps. Yeah, I would (laughs) I would go with that. Um. Uh, another one, another, a separate interview asked, why are your protagonists always female? He said, I don't logically plan it that way. When we compare a man in action and a girl in action, I feel girls are more gallant. Not a bad start. Huh. If a boy is walking with a long stride, I don't think anything in particular. But if a girl is walking gallantly, I feel that's cool. Maybe because I'm a man and women may think it's cool when they see a young man striding. At first, I thought there is no long- this, this is no longer the era of men. This is no longer the era of Thai which I don't actually know. Um, but after 10 years, I grew tired of saying that. I just say, because I like woman. <laughs> that has more reality. Um, so, so I do, well, overall in what I read, I do think he's coming actually from a pretty good place. Yeah, I mean, I think that way quite a bit about certain, the way that, that some women will portray uh, their, or like more so I think in uh, live action movies, the way that they will portray themselves um, when they are in positions of power. You know, like I would probably say something very similar. Like you watch a woman portray herself with authority and you think, man, she's a badass, you know, but like we are so often given the vision of a man portraying authority that we don't think about it anymore. Yeah, I I, like some of some of his interviews overall, some of what he says, I think is is forward thinking, but it's almost like forward thinking with a lens of problematic laid on top. Wait, uh, Fignat in the uh, in the chats uh, quoted and un- well didn't quote, but this is his quote of Miyazaki. Holy shit! It's a woman who isn't in the kitchen or shopping. <laughs> yeah, it's that <laughs> kind of thing. It's that kind of thing. It's like your grandfather, and it's like, <laughs> it's like your grandfather being like, I just think it's so great that you got a job, <laughs> and it's like, um, because you know. You you can do a lot more, like make a minimum wage rather than just popping out a baby. And you're just like, um, 
Thanks, Grandpa. Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> you're like, I can tell that you're trying to say something nice. But <laughs> really. <laughs> it's like that that it has that same air of like, I make a vaguely racist comment and they go, Oh no, 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 but like I have a lot of really black friends. <laughs> like, Not just a little bit black. <laughs> really? really black. <laughs> Cause you know, there's a gradient. <laughs> Oh God. Anyways, anyways, um, so so yeah, meets uh, meets Mitsugi. Yes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mitsugi. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. You're both grumpy. That's true. <laughs> you both don't care what anyone thinks of you. Oh my God, are you gonna start smoking those cherry cigarettes? No, I'm not. No. I feel like I feel like we should get him. I feel like when we go to Japan, we should get you a box. We should get you a box of cherry cigarettes. Throw out the cigarettes and get those candy cigarettes. I know they taste awful, but get the candy cigarettes. I and like fill candy them. cigarettes. Me too. And and okay, I guess I'm the weird one here. <laughs> well, I mean they're but they're too hard, but they're hard to find nowadays because they're like oh 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 non PC can't sell ch- candy cigarettes. Little but candy. we should take it. We should take a picture of you. Well, well, I was gonna say and like we'll fill it with candy cigarettes and then whenever you're feeling saucy and just contrary, <laughs> you'll just take out one of the candy cigarettes from, from your cherry box. box. And just like chew on it and be like, now let me tell you Mitsugi opinion. Cram, Cram and I actually found cherry cigarettes in Japan. They're not, I've seen they're them. They're not that hard, hard to find. Yeah. According to Cram, they they taste terrible. But Miyazaki's so grumpy. He likes to su- <laughs> he likes to suffer even in his like even in his indulgences. I was gonna say, he probably is like this tastes like shit, just like the old days. <laughs> anyway, this tastes like shit, just like your animation. Um, <laughs> some some other things though that I think are That's what telling. He said to his son. <laughs> oh God! You know he walked out of his son's screening. Yeah, like, and debut. didn't wasn't like somebody who was there tried to Suzuki. do an interview. Yes, tried to do an interview with him like outside oh. or like asked him outside like, did you just really do that? Suzuki came came to him and was like Miyazaki, you can't do this. You gotta <laughs> go back. And he's like, nope, I'm having a cherry cigarette. Like, can you imagine, like, <laughs> as much as I really harp on the fact that I hate that movie, can you imagine how awful it would feel if you turn around and your father's seat was empty <laughs> for the premiere of your movie? <laughs> well, that was also his studio. Just, uh, yup. Um, but Miyazaki has some other interesting quotes that really kind of describe some of the things I think we see in his work quite succinctly. Um, he believes in Japanese ma which is emptiness that takes place in a story that doesn't advance the story. So it's like a character that will sigh and just look into a river or a pause or something. And Miyazaki talks about how like, he thinks that that is necessary in films to create tension. He says, quote, if you, if you take a moment, the tension building in the film can grow into a wider dimension. If you just have constant tension at 80 degrees, I think, or like 80% all the time, you just get numb. So I think that's why, like, once I was reading that in his interviews, I look, I think back to, I think back to Spirited Away, and I do think of those points in time where you'll just have these, these almost like punctuation scenes of um, Haku looking out and the wind is blowing his hair and then you move on to the next train or i was gonna say the train the train and it kind of really serves to ground his characters in a place and time and age and and i think that's something interesting that he does that is done so well that you don't consciously say oh clearly this is what he's doing or at least i never did um 
but it was a, it's a very mindful thing on his part. He also, on Love and Romance, he says, quote, I've become skeptical of the unwritten rule that just because a boy and a girl appear in the same feature, a romance must ensue. Rather, I want to portray a slightly different relationship, one where the two mutually inspire each other to live. If I'm able to, then perhaps I'll be closer to portraying a true expression of love. That, I think, might be my favorite quote I have ever heard from him ever. I know. And it might be that one of the most phenomenal. forward thinking. Yeah, that's it really is though. Well, he's clearly a forward thinker. I mean, it sounds like a lot of his views are very progressive, especially for an old Japanese guy. Oh yeah. I feel like his views are one or the other. Like I don't <laughs> think I don't think this man knows the definition of the word moderation. <laughs> like I think he's either like purely like we should be using wax tablets and papyrus <laughs> or like like Let's shake up the system and question everything and push the boundaries. And ironically, as his name, as his subtitle suggests, the underappreciated Takahata, because if I don't step in, we'll never talk about him. <laughs> yes. We need to talk about Takahata. We do. Because he is underappreciated. Yes, for sure. According to Miyazaki, music and study are Takahata's hobbies. Yep. And Takahata also, doesn't he sound like an exciting guy? Yeah. Um, Gotta love them music and study. Takahata loves France. So if you are French, congratulations. (laughs) Because he apparently loves you. Um, He graduated from the University of Tokyo French literature course. um, And... He was quoted saying, my career perhaps began thanks to my adoration for Paul Grimalt. Grimalt. I'll say it. Grimalt. I'm sure I'm saying Mm -hmm. that wrong. Um, Who was a French animator um, and probably one of the the most kind of important ones in history. Um, Takahata and Miyazaki met at Toei Animation where uh, Takahata started as an assistant director, but was in a really kind of competitive year and had a lot of hard, a, a lot of difficulty rising up to get his directorial debut. When he finally did it was on Holes, Prince of the Sun, and it was a commercial failure that led him to being completely demoted. And afterwards, he couldn't rise up in the company. He just kept hitting wall after wall so he left Toei in 1971 with Yoichi Kotabe who you'll hear in a lot of Studio Ghibli's history like I think he was one of the really big animators there um, and Hayao Miyazaki and the three of them wanted to make an animated feature of Pippi Longstocking but then they <laughs> met a dead then they met a dead end when they couldn't acquire the rights from the original author Why would you so want to do that? another failure um he, he did a number of other works um, professionally splitting from Miyazaki for a while, but nothing that's like really notable um, until uh, before he returned to Studio Ghibli at Miyazaki's direct invitation that followed the su- success of Nausicaa. And that was when he made Grave of the Fireflies, which, as we've you know talked about before, has been hailed as one of the greatest war films ever made. I didn't know that that was his Takahata. I I thought that was Miyazaki's. I genuinely like. I had no idea that that was Takahata's film. Let's just say that if it's a if it's a Ghibli film that no one gives a shit about, yeah, but they should. It's Takahata because he really is underappreciated. I mean, *Grave of the Fireflies* Mm -hmm. is a movie that most people won't even touch because it's so so sad. Uh, So no one nobody wants to watch that. And then *Pompoko* is another movie no one watches. A lot of people haven't seen unless you're like a true (laughs) anime fan. A hardcore anime buff. Pompoko, Skirtums. You're you're <laughs> not going to have seen Pompoko because it doesn't it doesn't hit mass media the way that that Spirited Away 
Arietti, Princess Mononoke, Hosman the Castle. It's it's not one of those movies. And then like My Neighbors of the Yamadas, an, an unbelievable an, an unbelievably thoughtful and creative movie on Japanese life. Completely unwatched by most people. Yeah. I will admit, every single one of the ones you just named, except for Grave of the Fireflies, I haven't seen. And I think that's because I genuinely thought that Grave of the Fireflies was a Miyazaki film. Like, when I went to go and collect all of the Ghibli films, I collected all of the Ghibli films except for Takahata's films. And I feel so bad about that now. And it's like... I'm sure I wasn't the only one either. He's so underappreciated. Princess Kaguya and The Wind Rises came out around the same time. Princess Kaguya, I'm, it's a better movie than The Wind Rises. It's it's more entertaining. It's more creative. It's more enjoyable to watch. The animation is it, well. It's a both, very different style. They're both but. stunningly animated. But but for whatever reason, even though even though the tale of Princess Kaguya is a classic Japanese story, you would think they'd want to see it. It makes half the money that The Wind Rises makes. Though interestingly, I'm not sure exactly why that is. One of them is about airplanes and Nazis, and the other one is about. All right, it's not really about Nazis, but they're they're in there. They're in there for about twenty minutes, but you know, Takahata doesn't have the brand. He doesn't have his his name means nothing. I mean, it means means very little. Even in Japan, like yeah. I mean, of course, people in Japan I think know Takahata a lot more than we would in the states, or the average anime fan does in the states. But but even J- in Japan, it doesn't hold the same weight. Which which is interesting because I I hear things that basically talk about the partnership that Takahata and Mi- uh, Miyazaki had through their work. And and one quote stuck out to me when I was doing research, and, and it's from animator Yasuo Otsuka, and he said that Mitsugi that Mitsugi I keep saying Mitsugi that Miyazaki gets his sense of social responsibility from Takahata and without him Miyazaki would likely just be interested in comic book stuff (laughs) so so I think that there's like there's a kind of weight to them there and I almost feel like you see that and and I'm I am totally postulating on the history at this point but I almost wonder if you see that in Miyazaki in personally inviting Takahata because at that point they'd They'd work together, but not super closely. Then they branched off together and tried to get something started, and it flopped, and then they went their own separate ways. And then here's here's Miyazaki coming back out to him saying, I want you to be a part of this with me. I don't want anybody else. I want you, person who really hasn't had a history of amazing films or anything like that to at that point in his career. Um not to say he hadn't done good work, but it's not like he had a wide commercial success or something. Of, of all the directors, I'm sure, working at the time, if you were trying to make a commercial her- her choice, I don't think Takahata would have been it. But I almost feel like there's that something there that I look at in the history and of the other quotes that I hear about their dynamic and about who Takahata is and the type of films he makes that I almost look at and I and I kind of get that feeling where it's like there's there's almost something... There's almost something about it where it's like Miyazaki wants him around, wants to make movies with him, even even if Takahata's films aren't as commercially accepted. I f- almost I wonder if Miyazaki feels like he is pushed to be better when he works with Takahata, um, and not to say that that that's all Takahata is because his films are amazing, but um, I I think it's interesting. Two quick fun facts. He did the music direction for Kiki's Delivery Service, which I thought yeah, was that's interesting. Cool. Um, and he also, in an interview, is quoted as saying he doesn't like the wings of Hanamise. I think it's <laughs> Oniyame. On, 
I don't know how, how to say that. Uh, well, whatever. Oni, oniamis. Something. The Japanese people love making these words that they can't pronounce. Honeamise. Honeamise. Ho, I don't know. Something. I, I've heard that movie called, just how I said it then, I've heard it called Oneamis. I've heard, it's, I've heard it called Honeamise. I mean, it's like, no, nobody knows how to say that. It's like Namas and Ayogo Gurgen. Yeah, except it's not shitty. <laughs> Oh, that was a really bad one. That movie, that, that anime is <laughs> shitty. It's so terrifying. So, yeah. Um, and then there's Satoshio Suzuki, who is almost who completely... Who has to un- deal with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say much about Suzuki. Like, I mean, he's he, just as important as the others, but he he's more of like the businessman behind the scenes, I think. Uh, he, helped, he was the third founding member of Ghibli, and he's held all kinds of positions in the company, from president, general manager, uh, board, uh, board of directors member... And he was the producer of every Ghibli film since only yesterday in 1991. Hmm. So, I mean, 20 plus years of Ghibli movies. And we also didn't talk about Joe Hisaishi, who has done pretty the much music. the music for everything and that is man. a legend in Japan. But, you know, he doesn't get the same kind of clout that, that Miyazaki or Takahata probably get, but still really important because the music is just gorgeous. I mean, and he's done 90%. Of uh, the Ghibli films scores, I think right? He's done pretty much all the movies. I know that there. I think there was like one or two that I know of that he didn't personally have a hand in. But I'm pretty sure if he didn't do all of them, then he has definitely done most. I just I feel like Suzuki. Suzuki feels to me like the mother of the studio. <laughs> like he just feels like he's like, oh god, I got to keep these two guys in check. <laughs> Especially Miyazaki. Like the story earlier about Suzuki being the one who's like. No, Miyazaki, you're really retired. (laughs) Or the whole, Miyazaki, you can't walk out of your son's premiere that is also the premiere of a new director at our studio. Yes, I can. Miyazaki, please come back inside. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yes. Accurate. Okay. Okay. That was was nice. All right, so we're going to mosey on. Studio Ghibli's amazing. Watch some yeah. movies. Watch all of the movies. Go watch the Ghibli movies that aren't like Miyazaki. the yeah. typical common ones. I mean, watch ne- some Takahata. Ne- ne- next time you want to watch some Ghibli movies, rather than just choosing to rewatch the ones you've already seen, go pick up the ones that you haven't seen yet and watch those because they are they are all truly good, and it's a real disservice to not enjoy all of them. So yeah, yeah. All right. So and when we come back, we're gonna do a review on Kizniver. So prepare to lay your hands on me. And we'll be right back. everybody, this is Mitsugi, and it's time for your second anime news break. Returning to more Pokemon news, Pokemon Go developer Neontic announced that the Pokemon Go Plus accessory is going to be available throughout the majority of the world coming up in just about a week. About September 16th is the estimated launch date. The company added that some of the territories of the ga- uh, that have the game will not be getting the accessory uh, quite Uh, that early. However, the device allows players to capture Pokemon without having to use their phones. Pokemon players can wear the watch 
accessory with their phones in their pockets, and the device will flash or vibrate to alert people that are playing the game of the Pokemon in the area. Pressing the white button will toss a Pokeball at the Pokemon, making the game as little like actual Pokemon as humanly possible, as you now no longer throw a Pokeball, but now just press a button on your wrist. Interesting. But the device will sell for $35 and is going to be coming out in about a week. And switching gears to plus some Sony news, the company Sony announced at its recent press conference both the PlayStation 4 Slim Edition and the PlayStation 4 Pro Edition. The PlayStation 4 Slim is going to be releasing on September 15th for $300, and the PlayStation 4 Pro is going to be releasing for $400 on November 10th. It has a faster processor, a higher clock rate, a one terabyte hard drive, and some other features that according to Sony, make it a competitor to PC gaming. Now, whether or not that is true, it cannot be denied that Sony has been crushing this recent console generation with over a 60% market share for the, recent, for the most current year among the three consoles currently sold. And this is just another example of Sony's aggression on expanding its product offering into the market. And we'll see how these products do when they come out later on this year. Let's wrap up this news break with a little bit of Japanese film news. Makoto Shinkai's new film, Your Name, recently came into Japanese theaters and has maintained the number one spot in the Japanese box office for two straight weeks, beating out the recently released Shin Godzilla movie. The Japanese, uh, the movie Your Name, Makoto Shinkai's film, had earned about $9.1 million in its first weekend in the box office and earned about 11.2 million, even more than the first week, in its second week in the box office. So it looks like the film has earned about $37 million um, since it has released. And it's predicted that the film is gonna gross a total of $60 million throughout its release window. So, uh, exciting film, exciting news for the Japanese industry, and uh, we're gonna probably be doing a review on that movie at some point later on in the year when we can get our hands on it. This was Mitsugi, and this was the second anime news break. Time to get back to the podcast. Mitsugi, where are you? I'm in the podcast studio. Oh, okay. Wait, what? Oh my god, Mitsugi, aren't, aren't you supposed to hate Moe? You, you know, the anime pit of hell and all that stuff? Yeah, well, well, I do. So then why have all of our studio figures been replaced by a, assorted Moe nendroids? What, what happened to Goku? Well, I was on JList.com, and JList has a giant collection of Nendoroids, and they're just so damned cute, so I bought a bunch of them. Of course, these will be used for Church of Mitsugi experiments only. Yeah, okay. Well, how much of the podcast budget did you spend on this secret Moe-loving endeavor? Not much. Nendoroids are really affordable and super high quality. You should go on JList.com and check out their selection. They have Saitama and Genos Nendoroids. I know how you love One Punch Man. Oh, man. I will be on JList.com tonight. One Punch, one website. And we're back to the 
341st episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. And uh, we are now going to do a review on the anime Kizniver. But first, we have a five-star review from iTunes. Mitsuki Love Moe writes, Hey guys, new listener to, the, to your podcast. I've heard four episodes so far, and you have made my anime addiction worse. For that, I am thankful. Uh, I'm going to cheat a little here, and rather than write a mailbag, I am going to ask a question here. Oh, oh boy, okay. Um, <laughs> I love how people are trying to work around the system. Tricky, tricky. Well, the five-star reviews are actually behind the mailbag, so joke's on you. It actually took longer this way. Have any of the hosts seen or liked Mar Heaven? I guess it's Mare Heaven? Got the unlaut over the A? I don't know. Um, it's the anime that started my addiction. It was dubbed for 35 episodes on Toonami. And then canceled. Thanks, Triple A Podcast. Keep up the good work. P.S. Don't hate me, Mitsugi. <laughs> I know you so well. I've never seen Mare Heaven. I haven't either. Never heard of it. Okay. Anyway, Kizniver is... <laughs> thank you for the five-star review. If you want to write us a five-star review on iTunes, you will help us make sure that we are always the, hi- the most rated anime podcast on iTunes. So, thank you. Uh, so, yeah. I feel the love. Uh, Kizniver is a an anime that aired in the spring of 2016. It's a Studio Trigger anime, I do believe, and it has a very very nice theme song, and it's I about masochists. What <laughs> something? There, masochism is touched on a little bit, but mostly it it's not a major part of the plot. There, well, there I is, mean, there I is. I guess it could. <laughs> there is a masochist in it. Um, so Kiesniver, Kiesniver was a show that I passed. Um, and I passed it for for basically basically three main reasons. One, the first three episodes didn't suck, which, let's face it, oftentimes is the bar. Um, first three episodes didn't suck. It's beautiful. It's, it's so pretty. Really pretty. Is it the same animation style as Moato Penguin Drum? Because um, it reminded me a lot of Muwato Penguin Drum. I don't know if it has a similar staff in like character design and whatnot, but I don't think Trigger worked on Muwato Penguin Drum. So it's a different mm. studio, but it could have like the character designer overlapping or whatnot. Um, so so Kiesniver, the first three episodes didn't suck. It's gorgeous looking. And the third reason I passed it was Studio Trigger. Because Studio Trigger is kind of a name in the industry at this point. They've had a bunch of shows that have been fan favorites like Kill la Kill, Little Witch uh, Academia, um, the Kill la Kill specials, um, and a number a number of other shows that have been have been fan favorites along the way. Um, and so I I figured it was worth worth giving a shot on. Um, the other thing that I liked about Kiesniver is it was an original s- story. There's no pre-source material. There's a manga that came out like 10, 20 days before the uh, anime started airing. But at that point, it's really like a side-by-side type of thing. It's not, it's not like it was based on that manga. Like they're both following a story to a definitive end as opposed to the anime following the manga and then hoping that they both kind of make it there or Well, no, more like rather than someone saying, I want to write a manga, I'm gonna write a manga, starts publishing it, and then someone says, Oh, I want to make an anime out of that manga. Um, and then adapting that original source to an anime. This was more, we're gonna make an anime, but let's also turn it into a manga to help promote it. 
Brill. So um, I I like original stories in anime because, as I've discussed before, I like seeing uh, stories that were designed for the media that I'm consuming them in. Because I do believe that it is true that, well, you know, there can be amazing adaptations uh, from books or manga or whatever. Um, there is something to be said for consuming a story in the original medium that it was intended for. And I like seeing original anime. So those are the three reasons that I passed Keys Niver. And not to bury the lead, I think overall it was an okay show. Agreed. Um, so the Keys Niver story is follows uh, Katsuhira Agata. And Agata has lost his ability to feel pain. And he kind of has these like vague memories of a girl saying, you know, you'll be able to get, get your pain back and whatnot. Um, but he doesn't really know why he can't feel pain. He just can't feel pain. And he gets taken into, um, he gets taken into the Kiesniver project, which is a project that has been designed as part of this planned city that he lives in that's supposed to be like striving for a utopia. And the whole Kiesniver project, the idea of it is that it takes, what is it, six, eight? Eight, six. I don't think it necessarily matters on the amount of people. Yeah, but it? but in the plot, it ends up they, being yeah. There are about six. I think there are six of them. There are six of them that get that get wrapped into it, and they're they're all different oh. types of people. It's eight? Is it eight? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, they're they're all they're all very different types of people who have very different lives, and they basically get abducted as you do in anime, um, and wake up in a compound and find out that they have all been selected for the Kiesniver project as this whole mission to strive for a a perfect world in a utopia and a world without fighting and a world where everybody understands each other, um, and it's the Kizna system that connects them all and if they're a part of it they're called Kiesnivers and basically what it does is enables them to feel each other's pain and it splits the pain a certain numbers of ways so if myself Kimiko and Mitsugi were all Kiesnivers of the same Kizuna system and I got punched in the face um, that was that was me saying <laughs> I punched you in the face. Ah, to Kimiko punching <laughs> me in the face. Um, Kimiko and Mitsugi would also feel pain from me being punched in the face. The pain would get split three ways. And th the important thing about splitting is that it's not an equal thing. So, like, if I am in a horrible car accident, my damages, my pain is split for the number of other people in the Kizuna system. So, on one side it basically enables people to sustain like more intense wounds and whatnot. Um, but on the other side, it is still kind of that, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to cause other people pain. I think there's also this element of, it's not exactly physical, like, damage so much as the like the pain that you feel from it because yes. there's one point where a character twists his ankle and everyone feels it but then the rest of the episode he's walking around with a limp on a busted ankle and everyone else's pain has already kind of subsided like they can still feel it but not everybody comes out of it with a busted ankle and that's a good point to make yeah can so someone explain to me why this idea is not really dumb we'll get to that 
Is, I mean, is there <laughs> is there a reason why that would actually prevent somebody from being aggressive in society or? I think the idea is that the the idea presented in the anime. Now, whether or not you think it's dumb or plausible or whatever is totally up to you. Um, but the idea presented in the anime is basically that if if you are especially taking people who lead very different lifestyles and who wouldn't interact with each other normally. And if you make them empathetic to each other's pain, then it basically, it's the whole idea of empathy and the fact that you're, you'll be less likely to want to cause pain if you think you're going to be affected by that pain as well. And then, yeah, but like if they're in, if they're in Tokyo or something, I mean, this is, this is supposed to have a real world application. Well, Yes. Well, I feel like the idea of it is for the society that they live in, they want to create a Kiznaiver that allows people to feel both physical and emotional pain with everybody in the society. Yeah, so how many yeah. people are in the society? I don't know. I think what it, it looked kind of like a small city in Tokyo. Yeah, it's like a it's like an island town. It's like a like a experimental utopia. It's definitely not like a, an exact city in Japan. Like, it's not like they focused on that. It's definitely separate from everything. It almost looks like they, what wasn't there a situation in which it kind of, they made it look almost like the island town was a project of another major okay. city. Yeah. I, I'm just going to poke holes in this. So let's As say, you do. So we have an island town that's all the same Kiznaiver, right? Or whatever. Kizuna. So let's assume, let, let, you're going to have to correct me where I'm wrong. I didn't watch this. I'm just kind of being a, being a, a devil's advocate. So, if if I'm in a kizna and I don't want to hurt anybody else in my little family because I don't want to feel pain and I don't want my sister to feel pain or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. What stops me from just rampaging on another kizna that's not connected to me? Why well, would you want to do that? Because society likes to. I mean, you're almost you're almost like creating but little I, kingdoms. You're like begging for people. But to I, attack everyone others. would be connected to each other if the ideal kizna system worked. Well, then wouldn't if, is the pain spread evenly? Because if, if that's the case, you'd be spreading the pain across millions of people, in which case, like, if Me I shot you and you Me feel like a, like, a, like a grain of sand of the pain of that, so I you think, wouldn't even notice. I think what you're, I think what you're, and, and they actually touch on this in the anime, but I think what you're looking at is, is to, uh, again, to go into the philosophy of what they were trying to do. I think you're looking at this from too much of a literal perspective of, oh, if I am not being caused the pain or, oh, if the pain is gone or, oh, if the pain is lessened, then I will then therefore not have any issue causing pain. And I think the idea of the Kizna system is to create this kind of forced empathy in the sense of like a dog where if you use a um, like a shock collar on a dog when a dog barks and you use it for six months and every time that the dog barks too loudly, not that I'm saying this is a good or bad thing to do to your animals, I'm just saying. Um, every time the dog barks too loudly, it gets a little shock. Um, and so what the dog learns is that conditioned behavior of, oh, if I do this, I will be hurt. And then it's ingrained even without the collar. And then it's ingrained even without <laughs> the collar. This is so, so easy to poke holes in. I mean, if you had if you had everybody connected, right? Like, let's say the whole. But but it's not it's not they don't do it all the they do they don't do start with an entire uh, society connected. They and start it's not with even permanent three people or seven uh, people. There's just no there's just no way to make it work, right? So so like here's scenario one. Scenario one is I am my own little tiny group, and the other little tiny groups aren't affected by things that happen to my group. But then 
I could like kidnap somebody from another group and just straight tie them to a wall and torture them Mitsuki, every day. Why are you such an awful human? Why? But why would you I'm do that? It's, it's a then fil- somebody else might come to try to find like those other people that you were torturing him for have suddenly started feeling pain. All of them come and start attacking your little mini group. That's you what, created territory that's wars. That's what war is. But that's the thing is they're not they're starting with one group. And the idea isn't and that you only feel that Kizna with that one group. And the idea isn't that you're a Kizna forever. You're a Kizna for like six months until it sticks. And then and then you've you've started to empathize more with other people. If I was and if I was in a group with lots of other people connected to me, I mean, there's like a car accident every day. So am I gonna get like blasted every time someone stubs their toe? Because that's yeah. gonna happen like every second accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's a that's like how would I even get out of bed? I'd be writhing in pain. I'd be like I'd be inflicted on like funny bone. I hit my funny bone level think, pain every second. Mitsuki, think about this. Think but it's about split this between seven people. Think about this less as like a permanent solution to society that you implement and have there forever, and more of like a sh- a a summer camp, a social experiment, a social if you will. experiment. Like like imagine taking someone who who is one of those horrible, awful people who would kidnap someone and tie them to a wall, and then all of a sudden they have to experience the pain of other people. And the idea of this anime, whether or not this is an actual way to to get people to feel empathy, because there are just really effed up, broken people in this world. And I, and I as much as I want to believe yeah. that everyone is fundamentally good and everyone can be fundamentally good if they want to and if they work hard enough, I do also th- see horrible, awful things that happen that make me go, that's just evil. That is just pure evil incarnate in a human um but i think the whole idea is let okay let's even scale back from the psychos that are just going to be psychos no matter what you do literally no matter what you do you could say i'm going to kill you if you do that and they still do it um to the bullies to to maybe the reluctant gang members out there and and you put in them the pain that they are inflicting upon other people and then suddenly they they are more mindful in saying, oh, it really hurts when you get punched. Or it really hurts if I throw someone from a moving car. And and it starts to have them think more about those actions. I'm just going to drop it and pretend like this is Pavlov's dog. Well, people are Pavlovian. We are animals. We are. Mm. I'm just... I'm just... Like I get that I'm getting that it's like a science experiment or whatever, but I'm just thinking about like if they were to take the result and try to apply that to society, I don't think it would work. I don't think there's it, a way to make it work. I think it would work as long as they continue to do it in small groups. Yeah, I think if they tried to do it on a on a large scale, it would have the effect that you're talking about, and no one would really feel the pain anyway. I'm just gonna drop it because otherwise, you guys will never get to talk actually about talk about the anime. So go ahead. Thanks, Mitsuki. I think two of my favorite things about this anime, um, and one of the reasons that I was really glad that you passed it, Chiaki, was in the first three episodes uh, that we all watched, um, or that I at least watched with you, <laughs> um, I loved that they handled the main characters in almost a breakfast club fashion. Yes. They were so distinctly different as to be given identifiers. And I can't remember, I didn't I, I haven't looked it up, but like they were given identifiers as specific styles of people. Well they had they had a couple. They had the one girl who was like the the happy go lucky like fairy girl and the stoic stoic kind of studious boy and the 
Well, I mean, like, um, and I think this happened in the third episode, which is why I bring it up. They actually kind of give them like identifiers as like these were the sorts of people that we wanted because they are so distinctly inherently different from each other. We wanted to prove that these types of people, if forced to be Kizna, could still experience this. So not to just do a group of people who are all of the same mindset or the same likelihood or the same this and that, but a group of people so inherently different that it shouldn't work, but still does. And so I kind of liked that Breakfast Club aspect of it. And I also really liked uh, the way that they handled the, the pacing on a lot of maybe not the story itself because there are aspects of the story where I just kind of felt like it it drew on a little or moved too quickly but the story of the main character I kind of liked that they didn't just give us all of his information at once they didn't just automatically tell us why he can't feel any pain Um, and when we do eventually find that out it's in addition to other aspects of his storyline and his background and his character development that I didn't expect personally yeah and so I really appreciated that they took a main character kind of placed him over on the side a bit and focused on the other characters and then when they brought him back in it was kind of as a way of continuing a plot that never really officially dropped in the first place we just didn't really realize it was still going so I I thought they handled those two things very very nicely um I I what I what I also really liked about the show is I liked it when they deepened the Kizna bond mm. to include emotional turmoil. Yes. And and that was something that I didn't expect them to go in that direction. And and if they did, I expected them to like hit on it in like the last episode and kind of throw it away for like plot. Um but I thought that when they did that it added a really interesting depth to it. And there was almost something, I mean, it sounds so bad to say, but th- there's there's a little bit of like almost love triangle-ish tropes that are going on here mm-hmm. at various points. But the way it's handled feels so realistic to me. It does. Like, like I can it, agree. It, there are those moments where you have characters who you know that they love another character. You know that they want to be with that other character, but you also know that they know that that other character loves somebody else. And so they're standing aside because they care about them so much. And or standing aside because they know that there's nothing that they can do. Yeah. <laughs> like they, it, it feels very much like if you were to have a, tr- a love triangle in real life, it would be difficult and it would be bitter and it would be hard for some other characters. Like it wouldn't be everything works out somehow in polyamory. Like it would be something like what we see here. For yeah. Sure. And, and you know, you know, the thing that I that I ran into and you tell me you, you know, you I want to hear what you have to say about this, too. But mm-hmm. What I ran into with this show, going back to our mailbag of shows that you look at critically and you're like, this is amazing, but it just doesn't <laughs> like I look at the show and I found the characters really interesting. And I found that I thought the characters had good depth and good evolution. And I thought the characters that could have been complete tropes actually had real story to them. Yeah. And and. I thought the pacing, to, to your point, was overall good. I thought they went in interesting directions that I wasn't expecting. The music was decent. The opening song's amazing. Uh, yeah. 
the animation is beautiful, gorgeous. Like oh, I love it so much. One of the prettiest, one of the prettiest anime I've watched in a long time. And it's unique animation style yeah. too. It's one I haven't seen. I thought it reminded me of Muado Penguin Drum, but I think that's because Muado Penguin Drum was so unique at the time. It might also be those stuffed animal things. It might be the stuffed animal things. <laughs> but like just currently. I had yet at this point when Kids Neighbor came up seen an anime that had such a distinct animation style. And I checked and they're both not the same studio. So I know that it's different from Wadu, but like, no, I get it. It's it's beautiful. It's so I look at this anime and I'm like, I really don't have a reason to not like it. <laughs> Like, I really, there's nothing about it, like, that I can put my finger on and say, oh, well, they did this thing, and that was horrible. There weren't, there weren't panty shots. There wasn't, like, over-over-sexualization. And even the love stories weren't handled poorly. No, they were handled well. But at the same time, I, I kept watching the anime, and the root story of it all, I almost kept going, I don't know if I care. I just, I, I, which is weird again, because I thought the characters were interesting. I thought the premise was interesting. I thought the pacing was fine, but I kept watching it, wanting to be wowed, wanting to feel like this anime was blowing my socks off. That I think is exactly it. So as I was watching it and I was watching it per week, um, there, I hit a point where there was a moment where I was just like, oh my God, like this was this. This anime just like it caught me off guard. It was so fantastic. The next week I watch it and I was like, all right, you know, we're all right. That was another episode. That's cool. And then the next episode happened. I'm like, uh, well, you know, that was still really good. I'm still really interested in it. Things are still staying. But I think what happens with this with this anime in general is it's it kind of goes on this rising kind of story arc. And then it hits this point where stuff is still happening. Plot is still going on. But we just like hit a flat line nothing gets any more interesting or any less interesting but because of the fact that we continue to watch the next maybe like five episodes of the anime I don't know I'm just picking a random number and nothing kind of wows or disappoints you're left feeling somehow unsatisfied by the end of it yeah there's there's just something to it that it's like I feel like around episode five six maybe even as far as seven I was sitting there going, I'm ready to give you my soul anime. Like, I'm ready to love you unconditionally. Exactly. And it just never got there. There was just something about it that I kept watching it. And I was like, it's, it's, it's not you. It's me. Like, I'm, I mean this, I mean this in the, in like, I was going to say this in the sense of your classic English AP lit class, the rising action. There was no climax. <laughs> it never got but to honestly, a climax. Like, <laughs> it, it never got to a climax. And, and I, and I feel like it, that was. It felt really good, but it never got there. <laughs> That's, that was, that oh was exactly it. Um, it, did, it did really. Did someone say climax? <laughs> And I almost, I almost by the time, like by the time it started getting in the backstory of the full Kizna project and whatnot, I kept watching it, waiting to have that like moment where I was like, "Holy shit, this all came together, mind blown!" And it did things that I wasn't expecting, but I never had that like mind blow moment. No, it does because like it kind of sucks, and maybe in a way it was predictable without us reeling it, realizing it was predictable. But they actually do answer all of my questions. Yeah. 
Like they, they go out of their way and they pinpoint things that I wanted to know. And maybe there are a couple of things at the end that I didn't agree with, but they were answered, which can not be said about some other anime. This is probably the most frustrating review that I've done in a long time. <laughs> I want to give it because a better review than what I personally... Because yeah. it's like, I'm trying, like I'm sitting here and I'm like, what is wrong with this show? What is wrong with it? And, and I keep going like, like I said, the characters are good. They're interesting. They there's no crazy sexualization there's no panty shots there's no breaks that take you out of the anime even the character that was like kind of the over-the-top masochist i thought was handled well overall yeah and i mean i gotta give them props for handling a masochist in a way that it might have been a little bit humorous but he was actually a masochist when you when you see masochism used in anime it's either in hentai or it's used as kind of like this over the top like oh my sort of like uh, oh hurt me slap me but really this guy was just like oh so yeah like you when you get hurt i get hurt so like hey want to do me a favor (laughs) but i also i also think what made him real was that he didn't get off on the emotional stuff only the physical pain, Only the which physical is masochism, pain, which is mad. Like, and that to me, it was like I looked at the I looked at the writers and said, "Okay, you are actually writing a masochist," because the masochist was like, "No, there's rules. There's rules to how I want to be hurt." And, and I'm like, "Oh, the okay. fact that that character became an integral part of the entire group to the point of being necessary for some of the other characters yeah. coming back together later on, like." That the you never see a character like that uses anything more than humor, and so I can't help but give some serious props there. Mm-hmm. And yet, like all of these, the tropes weren't very tropey. The love triangles weren't very love triangly. Like all of the things that I could have probably been like, that's probably why I don't like it. Aren't why I don't, and I don't even not like it. I like it. I just don't like it as much as I feel like I should like yeah, it. I wanna, I wanna feel like this show is a masterpiece because I keep sitting here and I'm like, what all of the things we're saying sound like with it. What is wrong with this show? Because I'm struggling to put my finger on what is wrong with this show. Somebody, somebody in the chat even said like, I liked it well enough, but like meh, like I don't even remember the exact words, but it translated to, I liked it well enough, which I do. Becom, Becom said, Keys Niver was a frustrating show, wanted it to be great, but it just wasn't. And that's the thing is there's just, you know, I almost, Something. I almost, I almost wonder, and I'm getting way too artsy fartsy in this statement, <laughs> but I almost wonder if it's one of those things where it's like, you know how when you see a work of art that is a reproduction that like, like if you had, even if you didn't, weren't aware that it was a reproduction, like you never saw the, seen the original, but you had two pieces in like a college senior art show gallery mm-hmm. and one of them was a reproduction and one of them was a completely original with all of the artists kind of heart and love in it and even if the one with all of the heart and love in it was less perfect it would it just has that feeling yeah like a copy it i almost i almost wonder and and again i'm being artsy fartsy here but i almost wonder if keysniver is lacking because it's an speculation it's like a color by numbers it's an accumulation of a variety of different repurposed ideas the we i even said well like we have said it multiple times the breakfast club the masochist the love triangles the social experiments we've seen all of these things before and it Just does never, them better it does them better but we but because we've seen them before maybe that's why we're like maybe. this is good and and 
they are doing all of the things that we want to see at a level that we wish we could have seen them in its originality, but because it's not original, I don't know. And and what's what uh. I what I find <laughs> interesting is I do feel like it's a hurts. lot of the people <laughs> whom I've spoke to about this show kind of feel the same with it, where they're like, I didn't have an issue with it, but I don't love it. I have talked to people who, when I was first watching it, one or two episodes in, they told me, holy crap, you need to watch this anime. It's so good. And we watched it together and whatever, whatever. And I continued watching it. And I would go back occasionally and be like, hey, have you watched that anime? And they're like, I don't, I just, I kind of got bored. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm bored too. I'm just forcing myself to finish it for the podcast. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing is like every episode I would watch and I would be like, man, I'm glad it's over. But then at the same time, I would look back and I would like analyze it critically and be like, why am I glad it's over? That was a good episode. They did good things. Um, so sounds like it's sounds like it's kind of mediocre, and you don't know why. And, and that's, that's exactly it. Sorry, actually, so I started to feel kind of dizzy, so I went out and got the protein shake. Are you okay? Yeah, I think I just haven't eaten enough today, and I've been like working all day on the podcast, and I went to the gym, and I think it's because all three exhausted. of us are kids Niver, and I haven't eaten for five days. So <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding. I had anyone, breakfast. If anyone was going to be Kiesniver in real life, it would be the four hosts of this show. <laughs> totally would. Let's be real. Which sucks because I'm a total masochist. So no. Kimiko <laughs> takes one to no one. Tee tee. Um, all right, review it. All right, all right. <sighs> I, it's it sucks. I'll go. Like, I'll go first. All right, you I'll, do it. I'll go first, and I'll I'll take off that pressure. Um, overall. For all of the reasons we said, this this is a good show. It's not a bad show. But it's not amazing. And it lacks heart for me. And and I'm having a hard time distinguishing, you know, myself as a critic, which is what I usually try to do from myself as a viewer. And and I usually try to to look at things purely from a critical perspective and try to erase any personal bias that I have when I give my scores. But that being said. I also want to give scores to anime that I'm like, okay, this is really magnificent and you should watch it. And that just isn't this show for me. And I can't come up with a reason why, but I stand by the fact that I'm saying that. And so I'm going to give Keys and Iver, um, three and a half weird cross-shaped scar marks out of five <laughs> because I think it's above average. But when I think about giving it a four, I'm like, that's, that's too it's, high for me personally. It's not, it's four, four and a half and five are the anime that you love and that are verging on masterpiece and that are great. And it's, it's not there. It's close, but it's not there. However, that being said, I can totally see this as being a show that someone's going to love. And, and I get that, but it just, I haven't seen that. So I'm just going to mostly say ditto <laughs> <laughs> because seriously, I, I feel like, as, as much as I know that Mitsugi enjoys when we kind of butt heads, because I enjoy when we butt heads. Um, you, mean you and me? Well, you know, mostly you and me. But just in general, when we don't necessarily agree, can have like a little bit of a debate about an anime before we rate it. Uh, I think Chiaki and I uh, had a lot of things that we definitely agreed on in this. And uh, I... I still really liked it. And for what it's worth, I would probably rewatch the first five or six episodes of this and enjoy it just as much as I did the first time. Um, I think that there's a lot of stuff in Keys Niver that will appeal to a lot of people. And I think that bounces back to the fact that there are quite a few unoriginal but very well done ideas in it. Um, 
But does that necessarily make it a masterpiece? No. Does that necessarily make it something that I can give a four to either? No. So I actually intended on giving it a 3.5. Thankfully, perfectly portrayed masochists out of five this is a show that i would recommend watching like i wouldn't i wouldn't discourage someone from watching this but i would say it's one of those shows that if you start feeling yourself heading down the path of like i'm just not connecting with this show don't try to force it because it's not it's not gonna go it's not gonna go somewhere but but if any of you out there watched it and saw something that we didn't that might possibly answer the question of why Chiaki and I couldn't quite find a reason to love it as much as we wanted to please tell us let me know at Elise Kova E-L-I-S-E-K-O-V-A on Twitter that's my personal Twitter at A-A-A Kimiko which is mine and it's my only Twitter um if you know for either of us what might have possibly been what it is <laughs> just please <'Cause laughs> because I feel this like, review hurt i feel like i'm I and feel it wasn't like it's, spread three ways it's one of <laughs> i feel like it's one of those dates that you go on and you're like he's cute he's attractive he has a good job he was polite over dinner but i just don't want to bang him and i don't know why like, or it's just like or her decent sex but like you never really get off there's no climax <laughs> there's no climax so, yeah, that's oh an even 3.5. 3.5 out of 5 for the Kiznaiva. Not bad, but it could have done better. It should have done better. All right, and if you want to tell us at so our confused. at our main Twitter, you can tweet so us at AAA Podcast. I know if Kazuo was here, he would tell you to go to our group page on Facebook. we got a several hundred people that are chatting about anime on our Facebook group and also a couple thousand on our Facebook page where you can... Uh, Talk to us on there, and of course, send us messages. Let us know how you like the show. Tell us about how badly we suck. You know, all of that good stuff. And uh, again, next week we're going to be doing an impre- we're going to be doing a studio spotlight on uh, Kyoto Animation. So we're going from like grumpy Miyazaki to amazingly animated boobs and cute girls and things like that. So, so uh, as Kyo Annie sometimes delves into that into that sort of uh, register. And uh, any closing comments, you guys, before we sign off and uh, prepare for for what is to come next? Nah, man. I liked that review, though. That was fun. Yeah. Even if you, of course, met your quota of being a bit of a jerk. (laughs) Oh, wait. Are you talking about me? I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It makes for good radio. It does. (laughs) It does. I play devil's advocate. That's my Mitsugi voice. I will admit our erased review way back when was really fun just kind of arguing with you, so... You should have heard Kazu and I argue about who belongs on the video game Mount Rushmore on our last After Party episode. Oh, man. Oh, no. It, it, it about came to blows. I'll just say <laughs> that. As long as it got on camera. All right, and we will see you guys next week. Time for the After Party, and uh, everyone, have fun watching your anime. <laughs>